0: Hi and welcome to the Stefan Levera podcast focused on Bitcoin and Austrian economics. Today, we are starting the hardware wallet interview series. But first, let me introduce the sponsors of the show. So firstly, Kraken, one of the world's biggest Bitcoin exchanges. Over my years in Bitcoin, I've been really impressed with the way they operate. They have a really strong focus on security. They have consistently acted ethically in the space under Jesse Powell's leadership. They're one of the longest standing Bitcoin exchanges and they've got some of the best liquidity in the industry. They've got high trading volume and low fees as well. Recently, Kraken has been making serious progress in the institutional space. It was the first digital asset exchange to have its market data displayed in the Bloomberg terminal. And recently, with their acquisition of Interchange, they are providing best-in-class accounting, reconciliation, and reporting services for cryptocurrency hedge funds, asset managers, and fund administrators. To learn more and sign up, go to the Kraken link in the show notes. Next, Unchained Capital. They do Bitcoin financial services and and also offer a two of three multi-signature vault product. So that means you can use a Trezor or a Ledger wallet and maintain control with your two separate keys and reduce that single point of failure risk because a multi-signature helps protect you against the proverbial $5 wrench attack and you can distribute those keys. If you create an unchained vault, you also get three free months of access to in Dynamoose's Bitcoin Standard Research Bulletin. Unchained also offer Bitcoin collateralized loans, allowing you to get USD liquidity without selling your Bitcoins. So this can be more tax efficient for you. And in that scenario, your Bitcoin is stored in a dedicated multi sig address under collaborative custody with Unchained holding one of three keys, you hold a second key, and Unchained's independent third-party key agent hold the third key. So to learn more, go to the Unchained Capital link in the show notes. Okay guys, so today we are starting the hardware wallet interview series. So we will actually be having a range of different hardware wallet vendors come on the show to present and represent for their products, as well as some more independent Bitcoiners coming on to give you some of their own views on best practices with hardware wallets. So this first episode is really designed for a newbie. So if you're a more experienced listener, make sure you share this particular episode with one of your newbie friends who has left their Bitcoins on an exchange. This is the targeted episode for that person and it is with Max Hillbrand. He's a Bitcoin educator and world net YouTube broadcaster and he's got a lot of really good practices to share in terms of how to use hardware wallets and how to think about hardware wallets for a newbie on to the interview. Max, welcome to the show, mate. Hey, Stefan,
1: finally. Uh, uh, good to talk to you again. It's been a while. Uh, hey, uh, fantastic working your part. I've been following it pretty much since the first episode uh, live as you've ex- grown and expanded to what it is now. Fantastic, man. You share so much good knowledge uh, about Austrian economics and the nuances of Bitcoin. Beautiful. We need more of it. Uh, and you're a big part on that front. So thank you for uh, very much for all that work that you do.
0: Oh, well, thank you, Max. Yeah, I mean, it's a pleasure to finally have you on the show as well. I've been meaning to make it happen, but you know how it is. There's always so many people to get on. Look, so just for some of my listeners, what we're going to try to do is do a bit more of a newbie episode about hardware wallets. And what we might just start with, just, just for the listeners who aren't familiar with you, I think most of them are familiar with you, but just for those who aren't, just give a little bit of a background on yourself
1: uh, so I'm an economist by trade um, pretty much for my entire life. I've been reading uh, stuff about economics and, of course, the Austrian side of you uh, for many, many years now, especially Rothbard. I mean, the heroes here uh, hanging at the wall, uh, they, they're all fantastic and uh, done phenomenal work to advance the, the study of human uh, action, which is quite beautiful. Uh, and the more and more I gotten into Bitcoin and all the cypherpunk tools that we have at our disposal to actually live out by these ideals uh, that the Austrians propose and actually defend our property rights uh, ourselves and i think bitcoin is one of the many tools that we have uh, and just within bitcoin there are so many more tools uh, absolutely fantastic that we are all uh, growing and building this together
0: fantastic yeah i mean you do a lot of great work over at the world crypto net and uh just on twitter as well and some of the work that you've done uh, contributing um but today what we're going to do is something a little bit different hopefully this episode for my listeners You can pass this on to your newbie friend and if they are stuck leaving their bitcoins on an exchange this is the episode for them okay so we're going to try and walk through what that newbie might be feeling right they're still learning a little bit about you know in their mind it's crypto right but you and i know it's more bitcoin uh but in their mind they might be thinking well hey i've just bought some bitcoins and maybe a few other other altcoins as well And they may be holding them on some exchange or in some kind of custodial wallet now that person might ask you max they might think well max what's what's the problem why can't i just leave it on the exchange
1: well that's a very good question right and it comes down to the fundamental problem that we have with Bitcoin or that bitcoin is trying to solve and that is defense of your property rights in your own money Right? Meaning that you have something that nobody can take back uh, or take away from you, rather. Uh, and this is where Bitcoin shines. This is what it is designed to do. And it is only designed to do that if it has been used properly. Right? It's a tool. And any tool can be misused. Uh, but any tool can also be used properly so that it, is, uh, that it emerges then all the things that you desire and it actually solves your problem. Uh, and bitcoin that is exactly what we uh, have a choice here either we use the tool not properly right we give our keys to a third party and we trust them right because they're good guys come on Uh, and then well most likely uh, that trust will sooner or later be broken but the cool thing is that with bitcoin we don't have to have to trust anyone right when you run your own full node and you control your own keys there's literally nothing uh, that can take away your, your Bitcoin if done right. Uh, so this is why we want to do this, right? Defense, uh, first and foremost.
0: Okay, Max, so picking up from there. So Bitcoin is this special, unique technology, right? Uh, but if I'm a newbie, I might be thinking, well, okay, so I've heard about these hardware wallets. I've heard about these devices like the Trezor or the Ledger or the cold card maybe, but aren't these hardware wallet devices expensive?
1: Well, there is some cost to it, absolutely. Uh, and well, several parts to that cost. First, it's going to cost you a couple of satoshis, right? You you will have to spend your Bitcoin uh, and give that uh, to an entrepreneur so that he will provide a service to you. And the question is, is that service valid for you? And this building of a hardware wallet is actually not that easy. It's it's very difficult. And they uh, these entrepreneurs have to invest a lot of their capital uh, into building these tools. Uh, so if you really want to have one, well, you have to sacrifice a little yourself. And that is, of course, and part your Bitcoin. Uh, though also I would say it's more about education as well. right uh, This is also a capital cost, right your time and your attention to really sit down and try to understand this. and you're doing it already by listening to podcasts like these right and you're way ahead of the curve in this sense. Uh, but also invest in your education. right make sure that you really understand what you are doing here uh, and how you can use these tools properly. Uh, and that I think is uh, is also something to be considered.
0: Yeah, right. Um so look, I think from the newbie perspective as well, they might also know this. They might know that okay, it's not the ideal practice to leave it on the exchange, but they might feel they might feel like they're not confident. They might feel like they're scared and that they might screw it up and they might lose their bitcoins. Maybe from you know again from the newbie point of view, they might think maybe it's safer for me to leave it on an exchange. What would you say to that?
1: Well, I think we can look back at the track record, right? Between trusting a central third party And securing your own cryptographic uh, keys. Uh, And, you know, with Bitcoin specifically, so, 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 so many trusted third parties uh, have been compromised. Uh, And when they were trusted with the private keys, that means that the Bitcoin are gone. And because of the design of Bitcoin, these Bitcoin are gone forever and you will never get them back because now they are on the proper private key of someone else. Uh, And you cannot break that, unfortunately. Uh, Well, fortunately, that's a feature, not a bug. Right? uh so we see just with the track record of bitcoin trust the third parties are security holds and what we also see maybe looking back on on some other technologies people already use cryptographic keys in their daily lives every single day. Right? How many SSH keys does your computer have? And you don't even know that you're using it. You're using HTTPS every single day, and these have cryptographic keys, right? So you are already in control of some of your cryptographic keys, and it's actually not that hard. I mean, uh, with some education, you can do that within really seconds, uh, generating new keys and storing them properly and using them every single day. This is absolutely doable. Uh, so it's not as scary as it sounds. And you already do it every day. Now you just use these cryptographic tools, not just to encrypt your communication, but also to protect the property rights in your sound money.
0: Excellent. And now if I'm a newbie, there's a lot of different hardware wallet products out there. How should I think about selecting a hardware wallet product?
1: very good question and that is part of this uh, education right and research that you have to do and do your own due diligence right Uh, don't trust but verify and here i would say uh, well there are let's say three different main options and they are quite good to show what is possible Uh, so for example if you are a shaker right you want to gamble a bit uh, then it's still better to do this with your own private keys right and in in most of these shaker coins you can hold your own private keys and you should do that that is strictly better than not doing that right even when holding shaker is strictly worse than not holding check Coins.
0: <laughs> right.
1: Yeah, yeah, sure. So so then if you want to do that, there are uh, two, maybe three options. Uh, and that would be, for example, the Trezor, which is the OG of, of hardware wallets. Uh, they invented that pretty much, Satoshi Labs with Slush and Stick uh, and Alena. Uh, that they build a beautiful product here and that can uh, do shake Coins. The drawback, uh, or well, the, the beauty of this uh, hardware wallet is that it is absolutely 100% open source, the hardware and the software. Uh, that is great. It's probably one of the most well-reviewed uh, pieces of software in the Bitcoin ecosystem. Probably as much uh, as Bitcoin Core itself or something like Electrum. Uh, so, so really, this, this is a very well-reviewed hardware wallet and pretty good. However, because it is open source, it does not have a hardware secure module, uh, because that was back in the days uh, pretty pretty and still very difficult to actually get. Well, because uh, well, closed source stuff sucks, uh, and if you want to have very secure uh, defense against the physical attacks. So if someone is physically holding your hardware wallet, then you really should want to have one of these hardware secure modules. And there, the ledger has one of these, uh, and thus it is pretty secure from this physical attack point of uh, view. Um, And uh, though the drawback is, the ledger is closed source, right? So you don't really know what's going on in there, and you don't know if the private keys are handled properly. Uh, so that would be kind of the two, the two main options which which you want to go. Complete open source with very, very rigorous peer review or closed source with some more promised uh, security properties of the chip. Uh, and that would be Trezor
0: or uh, Ledger. Right. Uh, and then what about the cold card? What are your views on that and whether that is suitable for a newbie or not suitable for a newbie?
1: Well, it kind of depends on what kind of newbie it is. (laughs) If it's it's a blockchain newbie, then most likely it's not the right thing. If it's a Bitcoin newbie who really wants to really get into Bitcoin and Bitcoin only, yes, this is a very, very good tool. Why so? Well, it kind of combines two of these approaches. It is absolutely 100% Libra and open source. Both, of course, the software, the firmware, and the hardware. So the hardware chip itself, designed and manufactured by uh, Peter, uh, Peter, well, uh, DocSacks on Twitter and, and NVK, uh, and then also uh, it's it has open hardware with a hardware secure module. So they do have physical security against people who hold the cold card, right, and have physical access uh, with this hardware secure module. Plus, they made it that it is open source, right? They actually negotiated with their supply chain uh, to uh, and they have so much leverage in their market that they actually said we only buy the product if it is open source. Uh, And thus, they made it happen, which is fantastic. Uh, And this is Bitcoin only. Why? It's a feature, not a bug. Keep it simple and keep it stupid. Uh, And adding a thousand and one shit coins is not keeping it simple. It introduces a lot, a lot of security risks, Uh, plus you're not going to run a full node on any of these coins, anyway so uh, yeah Uh, and and thus it's bitcoin only it's open source hardware with a hardware secure module that has all of the cutting edge features and i mean the cutting edge features like actually writing the bips themselves (laughs) Uh, this is a beautiful hardware wallet and i can only recommend it
0: right yeah i mean there's a lot to unpack in that i think uh but let's say you know i'm a newbie i you know i've got a job i've got a family i've got a life it's a lot of time to you know, it's a lot of effort to try and learn how to do this right. And I've seen, you know, maybe I've got friends who made a mistake and they lost money. What is the best way, Max, to learn about how to use a hardware wallet device? What are some good resources as well?
1: Well, I think it's it's just good to you know take a couple hours out of your uh, days and invest in this, really sit down and try to learn this. And then there are many sources of knowledge that you can go to and accumulate to try to understand it. I honestly believe that it's absolutely doable for anyone uh, who wants to accumulate this. Uh, so I would go to the official documentation uh, of each of these projects. Uh, so Trezor.io, LedgerWallet.com, I think, uh, and ColdCardWallet.com. And each of them most likely have a very, very well-documented archive of how exactly step-by-step to use their hardware wallet. Uh, now that is for people who want to read right uh, and maybe they have some videos as well but of course there are other ways uh, there are podcast episodes where you get like the high level conversations uh, podcasts are a bit difficult to go into the technicals so most likely uh, the better place for these hardware wallet reviews uh, and how-to guides is youtube right uh, go look for for videos i mean i've done about the cold card for example i think uh, 20 videos or so and there are many many more uh, by other awesome content creators about the nuances of every hardware wallet uh, and uh, of course we'll follow uh, Stefan's uh, podcast here because uh, <laughs> I know that the next coming episodes will teach you exactly the nuances of all of this.
0: Great, so look, are there any tips for when that person might get stuck? So let's say they're trying to do a certain thing, whether that is to you know, learn about how to initialize the wallet or maybe the, some, somewhere there's an error, what is the best way to get unstuck?
1: I I think the the first way is always to duck duck go it right look it up on the internet. Pretty sure someone else had the problem before you, and hopefully he's documented it somewhere in this knowledge archive. Uh, and maybe you find it on a Stack Exchange or just on a random Reddit post or wherever. Uh, but you know you can look uh, and maybe learn something on the way. Uh, though of course if you really have a, a tailor made problem and you want to have like uh, real support reach out to the peers uh, there are many different forums for that at uh, twitter reddit right ask the questions yourself why not open a stack exchange question uh, and what i personally love to do is join the chat groups uh, all of these uh, projects pretty much have their irc channels or uh, their telegram groups uh, Of i don't know probably no facebook groups <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the 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 cool thing here is that most of these projects or well they are open source right and thus there is a strong community around most of them uh, and uh, if you then are in these Telegram groups and you ask a question, well maybe you get uh, like a person co- working for the company to answer it maybe it's even slush who is hanging out on the chat uh, right there right uh, or then uh, you have a dedicated peer who is himself a user of this product who still wants to help you out because he maybe has the same problem uh, just a couple weeks ago and now he's figured it out and now he's willing to share this knowledge with you and so I would say be active in the in the network right be a, be a good peer and and uh, try to learn and to grow and to gossip with others about this awesome knowledge <laughs> and accumulate as much as you can
0: Right. And I think another tip that might be useful for newbies as well is try to show that you've done some work, that maybe you tried to Google it, but this you couldn't find the results. And I think then people tend to be more supportive or happy to help you when you've shown some willingness and proactiveness.
1: Yes, exactly. And that is especially prevalent in these chat groups, right? Because they're oftentimes the same uh, st- uh, the same stuff comes up over and over and over again. And because of the design of such a huge chat group, uh, the, the knowledge kind of disappears into the logs, right? And nobody really scrolls up. Uh, and, and there, I think it's really uh, important for these uh, open source projects to build a good documentation, right? And many of them have uh, th- th- where you can easily link users to. So if the same question comes up, it's also nice for those who know about these knowledge archives to be, okay, in this FAQ, section four, here's the link, there's the exact answer right? Uh, and if you have these links available and you know about them, then share them out. Uh, and this is also in a rather efficient way for, for sharing this knowledge, right? Because you only have to share the link and not explain it a hundred times. But then it's also a way to to tell others, hey, look, there's the archive, actually go there and look stuff up. It's quite good. Uh, so it, it kind of is on both sides, right? We want to have the, the, the students seeking out the knowledge uh, proactively, uh, but we also want to have teachers who provide the knowledge
0: in a way that students can find it easily excellent and so let's talk a little bit more specifically around the flows or at least the 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 cycle that a typical newbie might go through so i guess it starts with buying a hardware wallet so what are your tips around who to buy that wallet from and how to make sure you're buying a legitimate product
1: Yes that is very very important because here the supply chain is a big attack vector right and especially the last mile of shipping how how do you know that that the like stuff that you buy on eBay uh, for like half the price of the real hardware wallet is that really the right thing I don't know. Do you? Uh, And this really is is a level of trust that you have to go into, right? We cannot eradicate this all, but I would always recommend to buy from uh, the source itself. So go to the main website and see if you can buy it there. If it's a big hassle with shipping uh, to your country, maybe look if there's a local reseller, right? Uh, Oftentimes there are these people and they have the quote unquote stamp of approval and web of trust uh, of these uh, uh, entrepreneurs providing the service. Uh, And then it's always very, very important to when you get this package to check for for tampering, right? Has the package been opened with? Uh, And there are some packages that do this really, really well. Like, for example, the cold card, right? This has a security seal and you absolutely 100% can see if the package has been tampered with, if it has been opened. If it has been opened, then do not use this. Then unfortunately, uh, it seems that this was kind of a scam and some people try to get your hardware wallet or at least be very, very, very careful and only proceed with great, great caution. Uh, so, always check if the package that you get first comes from the right source and second has not been tampered with on the way. Uh, and then, when you have your hard wallet at your own house, uh, that's then when we can proceed.
0: Right. And also, there are some instances where you know, unscrupulous people sold a hardware wallet with the seed or the words already generated. What should we do in that case?
1: Well, of course, never, ever send money or Bitcoin to these uh, public keys of these private keys. Uh, Why? Because you're not the only one who knows these private keys, right? Someone else has written them down before. And anyone who knows these private keys can spend the Bitcoin. Uh, Thus you don't really own these Bitcoin because you're not the only one knowing about them. Uh, and therefore, uh, you should delete that wallet uh, and at least start a new wallet, uh, right? So, for example, then you uh, uh, you generate a new 24 monomic words uh, and the, you write them down securely yourself. And then, you know, because you yourself have generated them that nobody else knows about them. And thus, they are your Bitcoin, right? But in, it, it, it really depends here on this case, because f- who gave you that hardware wallet with the, 20, uh, with the seed already enabled? And is, is that like the, like the physical hardware actually also a scam, right? That that might be as well. So in this case, to be honest, I would not use that hardware wallet at all or like the specific hardware uh, because someone else has had it. And unless I really trust that person, uh, I, I would not uh, continue using that specific hardware wallet. Uh, But that really depends
0: on the case. Yeah, look, I think I agree with you. I think it should be taken as that's an expensive lesson. You should throw it out and get a new one. Let's talk about initialization, right? So this for the newbies, this is a process where when you first buy that hardware wallet, you need to set it up. So Max, can you tell us a little bit about what does that look like for the user? Like they're opening the device, they are plugging it in. How are they? What are they doing?
1: Um, this, again, the nuances depend a bit on the different hardware wallets that we use. But in general, uh, you first can uh, set a pin uh, to that hardware device. So this is a, uh, probably a number, uh, hopefully a long one. Um, I think mine are always like 16 digits or something uh, that, that uh, protects this physical hardware. Right? This is the pin to unlock the hardware to then unlock your private keys. Uh, so without the pin, you cannot use the hardware. Uh, but the PIN does not necessarily have to do with the private Bitcoin keys, right? Uh, so the PIN is for the hardware, not necessarily for the private keys. Uh, that is a big uh, differentiation here. Uh, and so once you have set up that PIN to secure the hardware, then it shows you your newly created monomic seeds or your monomic word, right, which are 12 or 24 English or well, many other languages, uh, words that represent your private key. Uh, and this private key then uh, here again is uh, is very important to back up uh, and to back up in a secure location, uh, right? So for example, when you are in a public place uh, in a cafe and you write down these monomic words with like 100 people around you and probably 50 smartphones pointing at that paper that you're writing on. Uh, and cameras. <laughs> exactly, right? So then there the the, re, the risk of someone else knowing your your mnemonic words is relatively high and again whoever knows your mnemonic words has full control of your bitcoin uh, and thus it makes really a lot of sense to do this in a private moment right uh, sit down in in like your own house make sure that nobody else is in the room i would even go further make sure that you don't have your phone with you right? Because that has a camera. Uh, uh, it also has a microphone, right? It also has a vibration detector uh, and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, just go into a room without any electronics. Uh, sit down in your bathroom. Uh, why not? I mean, it's only for a couple minutes. Uh, and if you can uh, protect yourself just a little bit more, it's not really too much of a hassle. So just make sure that there really is no one around, neither in, in meat space as well as in cyberspace. This is a moment in time just for you, because you must be the only one that about these private keys
0: exactly and i think it might be useful to just talk about some of the potential attacks that can happen that are not typically thought about so some of these what we call side channel attacks so can you just explain a little bit around what those are and you know that's why we try to you know take certain precautions when we're setting up the device
1: yes yeah, so there are there are several side channel attacks and and I I guess the the overarching theme of them is that it means it's communication from the hardware wallet to some other device, uh, and you can maybe spy on this communication and reveal some of the secrets that the hardware wallet contains, and that can be just some artificial metadata, uh, like maybe the the size of a transaction that is being sent uh, or signed, uh, something like this, uh, or. It could be very, very bad, and it can be a uh, even the public keys, for example. Uh, and so you know exactly, uh, as an outside observer, what uh, specific transaction uh, or what money is being held on that private key, uh, and then if it's worthy to attack or, or not, uh, or... You could potentially, and that would probably be the worst case, even leak the private keys, right? By just spying on the communication between hardware wallet and the computer used to interact with it. Uh, and this then, you know, is is a question: How do you communicate uh, this path, and how do you make sure that it is secure? And here with a hardware secure module, uh, that is the big, big, big first step uh, that makes everything a lot easier uh, because this really protects against these physical types of attacks, as I called them earlier, right? And uh, these, uh, this is a physical attack, right? You, you plug a special cable in and you check what bytes are being transferred through that USB cable, for example, that would be a side channel attack. You have physical access to the device. And here, if you have a hardware secure module, that is a lot better uh, than not having one. So I, I would recommend in that case, uh, if that is your threat model, to use something like Ledger or Cold Card.
0: Right. Uh, and what is a threat model for a newbie?
1: Well, it's, it's the type of person or entity you, you defend against, uh, right? If, uh, for example, you are in uh, like a loving relationship with, with your wife and your children, uh, then maybe you don't necessarily have to protect yourself against them. You maybe trust them enough uh, that they will not steal your private keys and run away with your Bitcoin. Well, uh, maybe, right? And then in this type of threat model, right? Well, your your children are not really a threat. So it might be okay to leave the unencrypted monomic uh, for example, in their room, right? Because they can see the private keys uh, because you trust them that they won't spend it. Uh, but of course, if, for example, you live in a, a shared apartment and there are a bunch of strangers running around all the time, well, you don't trust all of them. Right, and you don't want them to have knowledge to your, of your private keys and thus access to all of your Bitcoin. So you might use something like a hardware wallet uh, to physically encrypt your uh, private keys, so that only you, who knows the pin, uh, then also has access to this money. Right, so. Uh, or if you are, uh, you know, uh, uh, someone uh, being, well, threatened by huge tyrants, uh, right? You're you're a, a, a reporter or journalist uh, who should learn to code. Uh, well, no, let's say you are a coder uh, building some very awesome uh, technologies that people don't want you uh, to build. Uh, then you need to defend yourself maybe against even more elaborate attacks, right? And it, it always depends on your individual case of who is attacking you uh, on how much you need to defend yourself. Uh, and that is a very individualistic choice. Uh, and, you know, think about that. Uh, it really is important to know before you go and build your further strategy.
0: Okay, so let's say the user, now they've set up their device and they have got their twenty word, 24-word seed and they've got a pin and they've chosen a sufficiently long pin to help give some additional protection. Now, if that user still feels a bit uneasy what are some ways to ease into that experience? Should they use Testnet? Should they do small transactions first?
1: Oh, yes. Very, very good point. Um, and I'm I'm the biggest fan of Testnet. I'm, I'm a Testnet maximalist, so to say. Uh, <laughs> why? I think because it has several reasons. Well, the first is nothing really can go wrong. I mean, these are fake Bitcoin, right? These are not real sats. And so if you if you uh, lose your private keys, yeah, it doesn't really matter too much. Uh, if you send off all, all of a sudden all of this uh, to uh, to a third party address by accident, that doesn't really matter. You can always get new fake Bitcoin. Uh, so there is not really a risk of losing your sats. And that is a very high priority to me, right? I don't want to be uh, that guy that all of a sudden lost a couple thousand or even millions of sats uh, just on accident because he he made a stupid mistake while setting up his hardware wallet. So always be, testing Uh, and here testnet is awesome and hopefully all hardware wallets provide testnet Uh, if they don't don't use them because that means that
0: the developers didn't test either (laughs) so (laughs) that's a good point Uh, okay so i think it might also be useful then to think about recovery so quick example if i'm a newbie maybe i'm not so clear about what it actually takes to recover a device is it is it just the pin that I need or do I also need to keep the mnemonic seed
1: So for the hardware wallet itself that is the pin uh, you have full access to the entire hardware wallet with the pin so if you lose your pin unfortunately that hardware wallet is no longer accessible Now, some hardware models, uh, especially those with a good hardware secure module like the cold card, even means if you don't have access to the pin, you cannot even reset the device. There is no factory reset in good hardware wallets. Uh, And so this means that without the the pin, the physical cold card itself is a brick uh, and you you will never be able to use it again, Uh, not even for a completely new wallet. Right, so the pin is only for the hardware wallet, and then if you want to spend though your your Bitcoin, you can do so without the hardware wallet if you have the mnemonic, uh, which then reveals your your private keys, right, your seed, and this uh, this mnemonic can be used most likely if it is an interoperable standard like most wallets are today uh, on different wallets. So, for example, you can use a seed that you've generated with Trezor. And you can put that, for example, into your Electrum hot wallet on your laptop. Right. And then the Electrum wallet on your laptop now has the secret of the Trezor hardware wallet, which of course means that the hardware wallet feature is now broken because the seed is on a hot wallet. Uh, But it means that you have full access to these Bitcoin from your Electrum wallet. So even if you, for example, lose access to the hardware wallet, if you have the Minomic, then you have access to your Bitcoin. Now. The thing is, though, that you have also the opportunity to encrypting your monomic right, to to have this backup show not the actual private key, but that the backup itself of this monomic right, uh, the paper backup that you do is in encrypted form. So that you need an additional passphrase to reveal the actual secret uh, that reveals your private keys of uh, your Bitcoin. Uh, and so if you have chosen to use such a passphrase as an additional layer of defense, then you need both the monomic backup and the passphrase in order to spend your Bitcoin.
0: Excellent point. And so let's just talk to that passphrase component. So uh, for example, on the Trezor, you can find that in the advanced tab and there's basically you can think of it like it is a 25th word for your seed instead of 24 words. Now it's kind of like you've got a 25th word. Can you just talk to how that is actually another whole, in some sense, another whole wallet and you have and the consideration around backups and recovery now? Because you've got to tell your heirs that 25th word or that passphrase as well. Yes, exactly.
1: Uh, so, so maybe a little bit about how, how these things are actually done in a workflow level. Uh, so first what you do, uh, or the hardware wallet, is it generates a huge random number. And this huge, huge, huge random number is your seed. Right, the secret to derive all your private keys from, but of course the huge random number is very difficult to write down as a human. Uh, thus, we take a a word list and we transform these uh, the seed into 24 English words, so that every word respo- uh, corresponds to exactly one part of uh, this random number, uh, and it's just a human-readable interpretation of that same number. Right, the one means the other, and the other means the one, uh, and then if you add a 25th word, right, if you add an additional um, passphrase to this standard mnemonic, then you also change the seed itself, right? That is now another huge random number. It's it's like having a huge random number and then adding some additional numbers to it. That's in this context the exact same thing as having 24 words, the huge random number, and then adding the 25th word right? Another bit of randomness. Uh, and this means that the 25 words are different than the 24 words, right? The new seed that is being uh, created, the quote-unquote encrypted, uh, is different than the, uh, than the original seed, the, the standard random number that we started with. Uh, so here, to recover them, you need both. You need to have the 24 menomics, and you have to have the passphrase. But the cool thing is, uh, you can store them in different places right? You can have, for example, your 24 words in a safe deposit box somewhere. uh, And then you have the passphrase in your home safe deposit box uh, somewhere else. Uh, And then, you know, because these two are separated, if only one of them gets compromised, if someone, you know, gains access to one of these uh, pieces of knowledge, then you're still good, because you need to have two of
0: them in order to actually uh, spend these Bitcoin again. Excellent, and let's talk about then the backups and the encryption of of these pieces of crucial pieces of information. So obviously, you might, ha- I mean, depending on your setup, uh, but if you were just keeping the hardware wallet at home, or if you were leaving the hardware wallet in a safety deposit box, or and then you might need to keep a copy of that mnemonic and or that passphrase. So how should a newbie think about that in terms of segregating that?
1: You know, it really, again, depends on your threat model, right? Who do you defend against? And so for me personally, I have two vastly different experience. For Testnet, I'm, I have horrible OPSEC. The pin to my, to my hardware wallet is one 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 one, right? The unencrypted monomics lie next to me on the table, uh, right? So th- th- like, for, for me on Testnet, I do not care at all about my security, right? Because it's fake Bitcoin. Uh, so here I have horrible OPSEC and there's no separation. There's no encryption. It's very, very weak. And maybe that's okay uh, for for your threat model, right? In your individual case, but you know, for for my real sets, I'm so paranoid about them that I don't, I will not tell you exactly how I do it because that will reveal some some of my strategies. Oh, of course, yeah, right? don't, don't reveal anything about
0: your own <laughs> setup, yeah.
1: right, right? And th- and that's the other side here of of, of the threat model. Uh, but in in general, right? I, I would I would say that it's always always very important to encrypt. Your backups, uh, and this this goes for anything really, but it goes especially for your private keys uh, to your Bitcoin. Uh, so how how do you do that? Well, a passphrase is pretty pretty good uh, because then you get uh, the. Uh, the monomic word in encrypted form. And menomics are very easy to back up, right? It's writing down them on a piece of paper or stamping them into metal, right? It's, it's very easy to back up your menomics and thus having a way to encrypt this written down backup is very, very good. So that is highly recommended. Um, though some hardware wallets, like for example, the cold card, provide this fantastic feature of doing a backup onto a SD card, for example. Uh, and here the backup is encrypted properly. Uh, with the secure random number generator of the hardware wallet. So in the case of the cold card, you can generate a a, a zipped archive of your private keys and a bunch of the metadata about your wallet. uh, And then you encrypt this with like 256-bit security, which means that your passphrase is not just one word, but it is actually 12 words, right? So this is like a completely huge new monomic seed with all the security in the cryptography side of you just to encrypt your backups, right? And then, you know, these backups are so securely encrypted, you could theoretically even upload them to, to your Google server, right? Or to any other third-party server, uh, although that might, again, lead some met- leak some metadata, but at least the content, the private keys itself, are so securely encrypted that no one is ever going to break it. Uh, And, you know, here, these are the different threat models. Uh, Always encrypt your backups and store them then in encrypted form in different locations, both physically as well as in cyberspace.
0: Fantastic. And the other point is, typically, there are certain devices. So a quick example is the crypto steel that uh, an individual may use to back up their 12- or 24-word seed. And so I think, as you're pointing out there, that the user needs to be very careful where they leave that device because if they have not used a passphrase then somebody could steal their bitcoins right
1: exactly right the the advantage of a hardware wallet is that in meetspace we have encrypted uh, private keys right you need the pin in order to get the private keys that's the security model here of of the hardware wallet in meetspace well for the backups right for your mnemonic words if they are not encrypted then the meatspace defense is whatever meatspace defense you put around that, right? If, if you have it in your drawer under your socks, then that's pretty easy to find. If you have it in your own physical safe uh, in your house, uh, somewhere like beneath uh, a bunch of cement and, <laughs> and iron cages, then maybe that's good enough physical security. But nevertheless, people might gain physical access to this backup. And then if you do not have it encrypted, they have full knowledge of your private keys, and thus they're no longer your Bitcoin. Uh, And then, you know, you really have to be careful here. Uh, Very good always to encrypt your backups and then to put these backups into secure locations uh, and, you know, to spread them out. Uh, And you might also want to consider not just the attack model of, of humans, but the attack model of nature as well. You know, if you have paper backups, what happens if it starts to rain and your house floods, right? All of a sudden, uh, then are your private keys just going to be deleted? Do you have other backups as well? Uh, you know, or what if your house burns down? Uh, are you really secure in in a fire secure safe? Uh, or you know, is the sock drawer just going to light up and the paper is going to be poof? Uh, so here, that's where I like to, uh, you know engrave my private keys on something durable. Uh, You could use gold, you know, that would be utility of gold. (laughs) Uh, Or or you could use something like metal, for example, I have like physical stamps uh, of of hard metal that I put on a shin piece of uh, a thin piece of metal uh, to then hammer and this will stamp into this thin piece of metal, uh, the letter. Uh, And so if I have enough thin pieces of uh, um, uh, iron or steel or whatever that is, uh, I can easily encrypt uh, or, or you know, back up all of my monomics on these durable, uh, fireproof, waterproof, shockproof, electricity proof, uh, you know, really secure physical manifestations of my private keys uh, that are the, or of the monomics that are of course encrypted.
0: Excellent. Yeah, I love that explanation. And Let's now talk a little bit about the privacy considerations. So we don't have time to kind of go through the full detail of it, but perhaps you just want to outline some basics for the newbie in terms of what should they be thinking of and what information are they giving off by using, say, a Trezor or a Ledger or a cold card.
1: Yes. So the the prime, uh, you know, design of a hardware wallet is to protect your private keys, right? The keys that you use uh, to sign your transactions. Uh, And, you know, assuming that that is in order and that everything is secure here, uh, this does not guarantee anything about privacy. The privacy side comes with whom do you reveal your public keys to, right? Who do you tell which uh, which private keys uh, or... Like the public side of your private keys, right? They cannot calculate the private keys, so they cannot take your Bitcoin, but they can calculate which Bitcoin addresses um, and thus which Bitcoin coins uh, belong to you. Uh, And this can lead to degrading of your privacy, right? Then someone else might know exactly how much money you have and where you spend it on. And without a shadow of a doubt, right? He has cryptographic proof of it. Uh, So the question is, how can you initialize this wallet? Uh, and for example, uh, like your ledger is in this regard absolutely terrifying because you must at any times if you if you initialize this wallet or if you upgrade their firmware connect it to the ledger live application as a desktop application uh, that you run on your computer or laptop and that you know sends a copy of the private uh, of the public key to the ledger service uh, uh, ser- or server and that's know everything about you uh, quite literally, uh, and then only can you upgrade uh, this device, and then only can you use this device with the Ledger Live software, uh, and that's where all the all their management is housed as well, um, you know. And and that really is a huge, huge, huge problem because now they know exactly what uh, you know. Uh, all your addresses and there are other ways though of, of doing this and well that is mainly running your own full node it's uh, one of the only options basically uh, to to really reclaim that privacy in, in this sense because then you no longer have to ask anyone how much money you have but you verify it for yourself and thus nobody knows which coins you're interested in because you have not asked anyone. Uh, And that is, you know, the main or one of the many reasons of running your own full node. Uh, And here you can use, for example, the Electrum uh, wallet interface together with your Electrum personal server uh, to connect this Electrum software uh, to your own full node and then plug in the hardware wallet to Electrum uh, to, uh, well, communicate and to, uh, you know, uh, check which coins you have and to sign and broadcast transactions. Uh, So all this... uh, you know, can be done with your full node together, either with Electrum or then my favorite way of doing this with Wasabi Wallet, Uh, because Wasabi Wallet is very private by default. Even if you do not run a full node, the private keys are not shared. uh, Sorry, the public keys are not shared with anyone. Uh, And that is very, very good. Uh, So if you want to use your uh, hardware wallet in a private way, very conveniently plug and play by default, uh, then I can suggest Wasabi
0: Wallet here. Right. And, yeah, Wasabi Wallet's, I think, a good trade-off for a newbie to look at. Uh, Although it may be a little bit confusing for, depending how newbie that person is, on how to use it. Uh, But what would be some good guides or documentation that exist? Or uh, or perhaps they uh, just point them towards your videos on how to use Wasabi Wallet.
1: Yes, there, there are many great educators share knowledge on uh, on Wasabi. Um, uh, four or two payments, uh, you know, you you've done a lot of stuff uh, as well. Six one o two at Bitcoin only, and I've also done a, a couple of videos uh, about Wasabi on pretty much step by step exactly how to use it. Uh, so the video side is covered, uh, and right now I'm working with the peers on uh, a documentation archive uh, at slash docs uh, and here then it will be in written form all the nuance or many many nuances of bitcoin privacy uh, and especially wasabi wallet uh, with step by step guides and faqs and and all the good stuff uh, so you know there 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 is this knowledge out there you still have to seek it and you still have to understand it i i agree wasabi is not yet completely noob friendly absolutely not we have a long long way to go uh, but it's a good first step and anyone who who wants to invest that time and who really has the need uh, to defend not just his property rights in the sense uh, of of theft but also his property rights in the sense of def- uh, uh, privacy, right? Uh, to not be forced uh, to talk to others if you don't want to. Uh, and uh, here, Wasabi is already really good. Yes, there is a learning curve to it, uh, but we're building to make it better every day.
0: Great. And let's talk about destruction of a device or trying to get rid of a device. Do you have any tips there and in terms of things they have to be careful with with the seed?
1: Yes. Uh, so, well, the, the first question is always do you really want to delete the private keys? Really? Like, really, really? Because, you know, private keys in the sense of Bitcoin spend money. And so if there is money to be spent by the private key, but you have deleted it, then you can no longer spend it, which would be very, very bad. And remember that in Bitcoin, people can send money to old addresses of yours, right? Uh, And then this means that you could get money sent to a public key of a private key that you have already deleted and that is not too good, right? So uh, there might not be too many cases where you really want to delete your private key completely, right? Uh, So always keep a backup somewhere, uh, I would say at least. Um, And then though, if you want to destroy a hardware, that's a different question, right? And this hardware, can be reset depending on the unique manufacturer, uh, but there should be a reset option in all of them uh, in a way that it deletes the private key from the storage mechanism, either the microchip or the hardware secure module. uh, And it overwrites that data with random zeros and ones that are no longer your private key. Um, that would be the first step, right? Delete the data from the device. And if it's a hardware secure module, you can actually prove that it was deleted, right? You can roll over a seed and then you you know, have under some security assumptions, pretty good uh, proof that this data now is actually deleted. But I would go even further, um, delete or destroy the physical device. Uh, you know, um, smash it with a hammer, uh, burn it, uh, cut it into pieces. Uh, you know, uh, even the cold card. It has the Mark II version. It has a little error right next to the screen uh, where the hardware secure module is placed, and right next to it, it says "shoot here." Uh, and it is very advised. And there are videos on y- online where where people are actually doing this. If you shoot your hardware wallet cold card. <laughs> Then at this spot, then yes, the hardware secure module gets obliterated. And then you have absolute certainty that the private keys uh, will Never ever be found again, uh, so so that is pretty uh, pretty cool. Uh, make sure that you you know do this securely if you really want to uh, uh, you know want to do that. And then what to do with the weight? Like I don't know, throw throw it into different uh, garbage cans on five different continents. <laughs> you no, know, you, you can go paranoid if you if you want.
0: Well, yeah, I mean there there are many different levels of uh, paranoia, uh, but I suppose at this level we're just talking about trying to take that newbie off an exchange so yeah but i think you know good for them to know what is the best practice there uh so let's talk about best practices now with software use as there have been some instances of people losing money because of malware do you have any recommendations for beginners if they are let's say downloading electrum might they need to verify the signatures or what are some other good practices there
1: Yes. So, you know, the, the, the sense of the hardware model is that we do not trust the computer, right? We do not trust the software of our main laptop, for example, uh, because it's an operating system. It's huge, many, many bucks, right? Uh, and thus the private keys are removed to a separate hardware device. Right? But we still need to communicate with our main device in order to build that transaction. Uh, and you're absolutely right. If that software is malicious, there can still be cases where it kind of tricks the hardware wa- model, uh, the hardware wallet into signing a transaction that is not really right. Uh, and, you know, that there have been many cases of that. Uh, and, you know, many attack vectors are possible here in this sense. So it's always, always very important uh, to do your uh, research and to verify uh, the software that you're using. You know, again, that's a huge problem if you're a shit coiner. I have no clue how you're going to deal with that because <laughs> uh, probably all of these wallets just have Trojans left and right. So, uh, yeah, good luck. <laughs> but if, if you're in Bitcoin, then we, we have good devs working here. Uh, and all of them sign the releases of their firmware, uh, meaning that, or. Well, if they don't, then never ever use that wallet ever again, Um, (laughs) Ledger. (laughs) Uh, But well, if, if they do, then you can verify that the firmware that you have on your hardware wallet is actually the one that was developed by the developer, right? And you know that there was no man in the middle who gave you a firmware that the author of the software, uh, like the real uh, entrepreneur, did not approve of. Uh, and that is very, very uh, important. Always, always, always verify uh, PGP signatures. And you know, it's actually very, very easy uh, if you learn how to do this. Uh, you know, there are graphical user interfaces for it as well on all operators. Systems, but that is just—it's—it's it's so 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 important. Uh, we should do even much more than just verifying the PGP signatures. Uh, but then, if if you do that, right, still make sure that the software itself is good. Uh, and and here, do your research on, for example, Electron Wallet. Um, uh, you know, on. Bitcoin Core itself, Bitcoin Qt is a pretty good wallet. And with the hardware wallet interface, you can actually connect your hardware wallet to it. Um, then I can recommend uh, Wasabi as well. Uh, you know, still much more review needed on that uh, piece of software, but you know, it seems to be quite solid. Uh, and well, specifically for the hardware wallet, I guess there's, well, Armory, no Armory does not support hardware wallets. Um, yeah, and unfortunately, there are not too many good uh, good options out there. But I guess with Electrum, especially connected to your own full node, uh, and Wasabi, we have we have two pretty strong candidates. Uh, and hopefully, we will see many, many more uh, in the future uh, with the you know integration of hardware wallet interface.
0: Yeah, great points. I think yeah, you're right. I think at this point, it's basically Bitcoin Core with hardware wallet interface, uh, Electrum personal server, or one of the other options like Electrum X, etc., or Wasabi. At this point. But I think that's a, hopefully that's that's a pretty good overview now for the Bitcoin newbie. Let's talk a little bit about next steps for that Bitcoin newbie. What are some potential topics or areas or even some software or concepts that they should be looking to try and learn now once they've gotten to this level?
1: Yeah, so maybe to keep it initially on, on this hardware uh, wallet stuff, uh, you know, look into more elaborate ways of backing up your Minomics. Uh, for example, the Trezor team has done some great work to bring forth uh, Shamir secret sharing uh, in, a, in a quite interoperable standard uh, so that you can split up your monomic words uh, and your encrypted monomic words, by the way, uh, into several groups. Uh, so that, you know, instead of having one times 24 words, you have five times uh, 12 words and you need three of these 12 words in order to get your master secret again, uh, so you kind of split up very securely and in a cryptographically sound way your mnemonic into five different shares, and you need four, uh, three of these, uh, in order to you know get back. The real private key to spend the Bitcoin, and this can help you a lot with your physical defense, right? If you then have uh, five different secure locations in like three different countries, for example, uh, and you need to travel to all of the to three of these places separately in order to get your uh, uh, your real private key to spend the Bitcoin, that can be really good mechanism for backing up. Um, and you know maybe in general stay stay in, up to date with with what's going on. I mean Schnorr signatures are going to change the game quite drastically for for hardware wallets. Um, you know that will that will require a lot of further development. Um, Lightning network is for hardware wallet is is quite a crazy thing. Uh, follow Estepan uh, Sniegirov who's been here on your pod many times already. He's doing great great work with Crypto Advance with that hardware wallet. Also open source hardware secure module fantastic. Um, and, you know, scriptable hardware wallets. Um, ColdCard has a couple of cool things up their sleeve that they're working on, um, you know, regarding co signing scriptable business logic in one of your uh, cold cards uh, in a multi sig setup. Uh, that is fantastic. Oh yeah, we didn't even talk about multisig itself. Uh, so that's another can of worms uh, that that also you know has to do with hardware wallets and and especially with Trezor and Cold Card. Uh, so you know, the the rabbit hole goes deep. Uh, so I don't think it will be boring. Uh, keep on learning.
0: Yeah, that's great. What about any other? I guess, more leaving the world of, let's say, hardware wallets and kind of custody more specifically. Are there any other topics or things within, in or around Bitcoin that you think would be beneficial for a newbie to learn about?
1: You know, learn the why of Bitcoin. Why this is so important, uh, and and here I think economics is just a vitally vitally important part. And of course, the listeners to your show know that. And uh, like listening to all your pots, they're pretty pre- pretty sure that they got a good grasp of economics by now. Um, you know, but but keep on learning about this. The nuances are really really deep, uh, and it's you know when you understand the why of Bitcoin uh, on the economic level, that really uh, you know pushes you to to learning how to actually use it properly in all its different aspects. Uh, and then to f- to focus on to take care of your privacy. It, it really, really is a huge, huge, huge problem that we have in the incumbent world. I mean, there's no financial privacy in, in, in fiat world. Like, forget it. None. Zero, nil. You're, you're transparent to the core. Uh, never use credit cards, so please not. Uh, and, you know, with Bitcoin, is already to that a billion times better. So, you know, even a you know, basic noob just having his hardware wallet is much, much, much better than he would ever be in the banking sector uh, of fiat world but we can do so, so, so much better and we should strive to do so much better. Uh, So, you know, take care of your privacy. Uh, Run your own full node. That's the second rule or no, wait. The first rule of, of privacy is never reuse addresses. The second rule of privacy is never reuse addresses. Uh, Then the third rule is run your own full node. Uh, You know, it it really is important to do all that. We record today at the anniversary, or well, uh, coming at the anniversary, a two-year anniversary of the user-activated software, where we proved uh, by, you know, choosing to run our full node, how we can manifest Nakamoto consensus and how we can, you know, evolve it in a way that does not break consensus. Uh, Beautiful, beautiful event. Run your own full node. That is absolutely important. And, you know, get educated about as much as
0: possible. That's fantastic. Yeah, I think that will hopefully give a great overview for uh, some Bitcoin newbies out there who might get shared this episode. Let's now, just before we let you go, Max, let's you know talk a little bit about what you're working on. And if they, let's say they want to get consulting from you or the, I know you have this HODL hotline, tell them a little bit about yourself and if they want further consulting, how can they find you?
1: Yes, so you know the this rabbit hole is quite intense, and it's it's always good to have solid peers on your side and in your network that you know that, that try to help you and share share knowledge. Uh, that that is really important. And you know, Stefan and I we both do this you know for for fun and for free uh, with, with our podcasts and everything. And we share a bunch of this let's say passive knowledge where you listen to us talk. Uh, and you know, I do that on the World Crypto Network with, with hundreds of videos and. Uh, you know, podcasts and or appearance in several other podcasts. Uh, and that is great. But oftentimes you really need to have, you know, these these in-depth uh, counsel sessions where we really talk about one specific problem tailor-made uh, to you as an individual. Uh, and they're just, you know, you need to have a conversation. Uh, and and there I offer, uh, you know, the HODL hotline uh, just to, you know, for, for a small uh, donation of, I think, what is it? A humble uh, one million Satoshis, I think. <laughs> then that... Uh, over lightning <laughs> of course, only. Uh, well, I, I would accept CoinJoin Bitcoin as well. Uh, then uh, you know that we really uh, you know can sol- dig down on all the problems that you have. But in general, you know, just reach out uh, in in all the in all the chats in in all the groups uh, and ask your questions there, and and really you know seek out this knowledge and there are many different sources to do this and i just offer one additional way of, of, of doing this in a you know a real conversation uh, so if you like to hotline.com it's not just me there're a bunch of uh, teachers and educators uh, up there offering a uh, different uh, services specifically you know to bitcoin only tools i mean a lot of you know a lot of the theory a lot of the economics a lot of the game theory um, a lot of the coding um, then also though about using the software, uh, right? Uh, for different tools, hardware wallets, uh, software wallets, uh, you know, coin joints, and running your own full node, and all this, you know, many different ways uh, that you know these teachers can, can help you to you know advance uh, your understanding of Bitcoin, which I think is is the best investment that you could ever make. Um, and the it's the biggest investment of your time and your attention, uh, but it also is a bit of your investment of your sats uh, if you really want to you know bootstrap and you know, get this really going quickly.
0: Yeah, that's excellent. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today, Max. No, dude thank
1: you Stefan really a uh, fantastic conversation I'm really looking forward to this uh, upcoming series on the hardware wallet uh, uh, because the nuances of this are, are uh, fantastic and you shared with me what what peers you will get on the show oh that's that's going be so exciting uh, you you got the good guests uh, you got the right peers sharing their knowledge and uh, keep it up really uh, your podcast is uh, by far uh, you know the, the deepest in the rabbit hole and uh, of, of economics and Bitcoin and it's it's very cool to have you on your side on our site here sharing all this knowledge and teaching Teaching. that is so 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 important we have to do a lot more education uh, and you know that's maybe also the the color that, that I would like to you know uh, provide here at the end really you know, contribute to the open source projects, all of you. Uh, it's your responsibility if you use open source projects to contribute back. Uh, and you can do that in many different ways. It does not at all have to be coding only. Uh, Stefan, the work that you've done, you know, is spread, spreading the knowledge of, uh, you know, the good tools like Noddle or Wasabi uh, or, or Electrum. It, it's it's fundamentally important. And with without peers sharing knowledge, for example, you know, there would not be such projects. Uh, and uh, for example, also help with documentation. Uh, you know, that's that's one of the tasks that I'm doing right now for Wasabi Wallet uh, is to build this knowledge archive in written form. And of course, it's libre and open source uh, on uh, Git. So if if you want to contribute, if you have a question, uh, then ask it there. Uh, if you know the answer to a question, well, then answer it there. Uh, and you know, there it's, it's not just for one specific project, but for all the open source projects. Again. If you use a open source project, it is absolutely your responsibility uh, to make sure that this you know, is, is a prosperous venture. Uh, and this goes in many different ways. Uh, so be active, be a good peer in the network. Don't just be a leech, uh, but give back and you know, help us grow uh, this Libra sound money to become this behemoth of proof of work of, of sovereign individuals claiming their sovereignty and, and defending themselves and their property rights. Uh, and Stefan, thank you very much uh, for, for inviting me on the show and Hopefully
0: see you on the next time soon hope you found that valuable make sure you are subscribed to the podcast using a podcast app so that way you don't miss out on the episodes that are coming i've got a whole range of interviews with some of the top people to listen to on this so keep an eye out for that you can find the show notes on my website stefanlevera.com if you want to dm me my handle on twitter is at stefanlevera my email is stefanlevera at pm.me that's it from me thanks guys and see you next time